episode 7. In this episode, we're turning the tables and getting to know Jordan, the founder of the Colby Cast. He has extensive experience in all things homeschool, having been homeschooled himself, now homeschooling his children, and serving the homeschooling families of Colby Academy as an academic advisor and online instructor. We discuss the childhood he remembers as amazing, the memoir he's releasing soon, his conversion to the Catholic faith, and a number of other topics, including one that comes up frequently. What's the big deal about Latin? His attitude of gratitude is evident, as is his devotion to using his God-given talents in service to Christ and his people. How are you doing, Bonnie? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing, Jordan? It's good to talk to you. Yeah, you as well. I'm, I'm doing good. It's, it's The seasons are changing up here already. I, I don't know if uh, other parts of the country are feeling it yet, but you can definitely feel something in the air. We've here we are. We're here in flyover country and it's very hot here, but we've had some moments of breaks in that heat down to the 80s. Oh. <laughs> so that's nice. A nice break in the weather. So hopefully yeah. that will persist. Yeah. 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 Well, it's making it feel much more like school time and um, things like that here. Like like all the kids are my kids are in school again. And I guess you've started as well, right? Yes, we are starting week four. We're in week four now mm. of homeschool subjects. So our boys are in the online academy. They have a few classes online, some homeschooled. So, of course, that started last week. But oh. homeschool subjects, we're going into week four. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my we're doing all um, for my the three that are old enough. We're doing um, we're doing the Colby K through through six program K through five program, and um, so we've got one in fourth, one in second, and then one who's in kindergarten doing that. And then they're loving it so far. It's been really Great. awesome for them. I'm so happy to hear that. I've been eager to hear how things have gone the first week of the of the elementary online program. So yeah. it's great to hear. I think it was really smooth. And I kind of see things from both sides working at Colby and now being on the parent side of it as well, which, which is new for me. But um, I, I think that we did so much preparation. I say we, I, I didn't do nearly as much as others at Colby, but um, <laughs> they did so much planning and preparation and they're just the right people in the right places that they made it as smooth as it could be, I think. Well, from all appearances on, on my end, I know that this has been in the works for a while from what I understand. And it just is providential, the timing of it. It, it, was, it was already being put together quite intentionally. And then it just is an, an answer, I think, to so many um, prayers and just the time. It just, it was all very providential, I think. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, it, it was like, we, we need to do this. We need to get this going. It's on our radar. But um, with all the accredit, so we were doing all the accreditation things this year too. And that, that took a lot. I mean, I was surprised uh, how much effort that took from a lot of different people. But with COVID, you know, it was like, here's, if we're going to do it now is the time. And that, so that was like the instigation to pull the trigger this year. Sure. That accreditation process itself, I have a, a glimpse of that from our previous school experience. That it takes a lot of folks working for a long time, very yeah. detail oriented. So yeah. both those undertakings quite uh, mammoth, I would say, in addition to preparing for a new school year. So yeah, uh, Colby has a way that the folks at Colby, you guys all have this gracious way of, of, of doing this fine work. You guys are sometimes we, 
in our family, we like to use this expression of ducks kind of floating placidly on the surface, what it looks like just floating along yeah. <laughs> underneath. They're paddling furiously. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. A, that might be applicable at this time, it seems. So. <laughs> yeah. It sure seems like lots of great work and, and best foot forward, best face forward, and but lots of work happening that we can't see until the fruits of it are apparent. So thank yeah, you for all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. We're happy to do it. So we, I'm hoping that we can turn the tables today and and get to know you better as well as as in all your many facets of a homeschooled student yourself, a homeschooling dad, mm-hmm. a teacher of homeschoolers, and all so many other things on top of that. So that's what I hope today. Yeah, well, I, I didn't mean to. I, I know that first. Um, so if anyone goes back and watches the Colby, Colby Cast relaunch episode one, um, you know, it, we had planned this out to be a conversation, and then I sort of just turned it into an interview with the two of you. <laughs> and so um, we didn't really plan much. We just said let's let's talk, and then I guess like I'm I'm just used to interviewing people this way, and so. Um, you know, I don't think at all that you guys uh, didn't give me the chance. I think I didn't really take the chance. I just wanted to interview and get get to know you guys a little better. Well, we had a lot of fun doing it, and it's been a lot of fun collaborating with you. And, it has and like I said, I am kind of a student of how other people conduct conversations and communicate well. That's something I really am thinking about mm. all the time, how I can be a better communicator and really uh, draw folks out and learn more about them and get them talking, and you have a gift for that. So. Oh, thank you. So... I think it's been brought up before that you were homeschooled yourself and um, now you're homeschooling your children, as you explained, and you have a lot of experience teaching uh, predominantly homeschooled students in, at least in Colby Academy, but you teach other places as well. So yeah, you and yeah. tell us more about that. I, I've been, a, I, you know, I've been a part of the, I guess the way I see it, I've been a part of the fight for some years. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, um, I wanted to get more involved before I was hired by Colby. Uh, right when I was first converting to the Catholic Church, um, I didn't realize, I, I came home one summer um, from Germany. So each time I say I came home, that usually it means I, I came back to the U.S. somewhere from Germany somewhere. But there, there was a summer where, um, you know, I, I started thinking, I, I have, you know, I, I had been homeschooled. Maybe I can help others who are homeschooling now. Maybe they, they want some kind of testimonial from me. Maybe I can, I can offer some of my services, be a speaker, like all these ideas I kind of had. Well, we got to Cincinnati, where my wife is from, for that summer. And before, uh, right before we got there, I sent a few emails. I found these homeschool associations, and they were Catholic homeschooling associations. I thought, that's interesting. I never knew any Catholics that were homeschooling. And I thought I would have all this to offer to them, but turns out they didn't really need any of it. I mean, they were they were totally set. I thought that I would be like like coming in and and, and saying like here's somebody who's graduated who is a homeschooler and they're cool and they can make your kids be excited to want to be homeschooled also they didn't need any of that and i was shocked that that there was you know they were they were totally friendly and just like yeah we'd love to to meet you sometime and stuff but it was so the the homeschooling landscape had changed so much from my perceptions when I was homeschooled in the eighties and nineties to to that time. So this was probably two thousand I don't know ten two thousand eleven somewhere in there, and okay. um, there were tons of graduates who were willing to come back and speak to the homeschool association those kind of things. But I knew at that point I wanted to get in 
Well, I knew before that, but that, that I was like, I want to get into this, this, um, this world. I want to know more about it. And I, I feel like I would fit in well here. Um, and I'm passionate about it. And, uh, it, it took my wife during that summer while we were home. Um, she found, a. She, I guess this was later, 2013. But anyway, she found um, <clears throat> on Catholic Jobs, there was an academic advisor position. And, um, and she, she said, I think you should apply for this. It's out in Napa, California. And we really like California. That's where my wife and I met and where we lived after we first got married. And um, I was like, no, I want to go back to Germany. We were just supposed <laughs> to be home for a, a summer. But talking about, I thought, well, it won't hurt to apply. And as things went along, next thing I knew, a few months later, we were in Napa living there and I was working for Colby. And um, it's one of the best decisions, best and for sure the best opportunity I've ever had in my life. It's it's done so much for me and given me, given me, I guess, a, a real sense of purpose and direction in my life for how I can apply what I have, my training, my, um, I guess my, my desires too, my, my vision in a way for, for, um, you know, helping in this, joining a battle and, and, and having a real role within it. Colby has given me all of that. Oh, I love that. That's, it's speaks so much to both you and your wife being, having that attitude of, of here, I have these gifts. How can I put them to use mm -hmm. there? I know that they, um, you have been given particular talents and skills that you've honed and, and now you're in, for a long time, you've, you've looked for ways to use them in service rather than for your own gratification or glorification or any of that. And, and also Colby, it's, that is, has always been my impression of Colby watching from sort of the sidelines from when Hope was a, a Colby student that was the impression I had from that time all the way up to now. Mm -hmm. And just to see that come together is, it's the, I, I think it's wonderful and it, yeah. it's very inspiring. So yeah, we, it's neat to hear your story as growing up as a homeschooled student. We have some close family friends who, who homeschooled their, their children um, elementary years and then they entered the public school system and mm. um, they're, they're friends who are family to us. So, I, I have sort of, that is sort of my um, reference point, hearing you speak about your own experience, because I think that was around the same time, actually, the, those kids are about our, our age. I think you and I are um, comparable in age, I think, around the same ages. So yeah. um, that to, to think about their experience, small town, homeschooling, um, then going into, going on from there, but that experience kind of is my point of reference for you. So it's yeah. neat to see how it's all coming to now that's just all the ways that have led you to now right yeah yeah that that time was an interesting time because i mean <clears throat> 80s and 90s so i graduated high school in 1999 and i didn't i mean i didn't get a um I, I guess people had computers i think we had one in our house i remember we had internet and stuff but it wasn't like it is today because it was dial up and mm -hmm. there wasn't yeah. you know there was no use for it like i wasn't going to sit there and do something on the computer so I didn't get an email account till I went to college and I had to get one for, for college, but even then I never used it. And, um, but just growing up, I, I feel like, um, and I, 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 we talked before off air, like a little bit about a book that I'm, that I'm finishing that, I, that hopefully will be published here soon. And in the book, I, I had written it and it was these different episodes starting from when I was really young, just different episodes, memories that I had of childhood. And um, 
and 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 then I went back more recently, I guess about I don't know a couple months ago, and I wrote an introduction to it, um, just kind of like out of a, a shot of inspiration and something that I've thought about a lot, and it was basically uh, <clears throat> just that that it feels almost like we're in a new kind of season now. Um, I don't know what to make of it completely in history where, uh, as you know, and then still in the 90s, music genres changed quickly. You know, if you hear a song from yes. the 80s, you know, it's the 80s and not the 90s. And if you're mm -hmm. you see a movie or a car from the 50s or 60s, you can pinpoint uh, the decade and. And I, I don't see that as much now. And some people have tried, the people, and you know, maybe I'm not right. It's just a theory. But people that disagree with me, they point out, well, you're just the old man now. You're stuck in, <laughs> in your decade, you know. But I'm not convinced that that's true. I'm, I'm not convinced that that's true because, you know, what has changed a lot in, in life is... Um, is our screens, I guess. But yes. but the technology behind it really hasn't changed. Computers are older than I am. And so in books, uh, you know, in, in, in this book, what I wanted to point out was um, sort of how life, I, I wanted to give readers a taste of what life was like before what before the the period we're in now which i i strongly feel like we're in some sort of stagnation period is as at least involving technological advancement and mm -hmm. and i think the the real practical way we can see this is through pop culture and the way that um movies are just remakes for the mm -hmm. for the most part, you know, uh, they do so many remakes of old movies. Um, music genres aren't changing. Um, you know, when I was in the late 80s, I remember riding in the car with my my older brother and we would put it on the classical classic rock station. Well, the mm -hmm. classic rock station would play music from a decade before it would play music yeah. from the 70s. And you yep. can't even imagine now calling music from. 2010 classic you know right yeah so you're so that's so true yeah oh that's true we just had a conversation in, in our house i think just within the past day or two where i was relating how similar i think i with regard to getting internet at home and email addresses and things like that when i i started college um it sounds like shortly after you graduated from high school. And so, yes, I, I had a college email account and it was dial up internet in my dorm room. And we, there wasn't online shopping. There was just, you know, the aggregate news sites, sort of, <laughs> it was all yeah. just getting started. And, and all the way up to now, it's just um, mind boggling. It just, our own children here, just think about that. What, what would that be like to not, for that to be the case for you? And it, they just kind of They've heard us talk about it enough and they've had enough interaction off-screen internet interaction to where it's they can kind of get that but at the same time it's it's a foreign the idea to them so it's yeah yeah it's, it's it, such a different it, 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 it is that that and that's a lot of so i got close to my my students teaching online so we were living in germany just until you know two years ago but for most of my time at colby i've been living overseas and i I got really, you know, I, I would talk to the kids at Colby. I really love my students. And um, I wanted them, I guess, to see 
or to at least get a description of what my what life was like before this this time and mm-hmm. i you know not and i i don't ever i don't know where to place like where the change happened i know it, the internet seems to be the most obvious culprit like that that's changed everything for us but um but 911 happened and that was such a mm-hmm. big deal and um now now though we have something in common together going through this pandemic thing together you know it's like this mm-hmm. is even bigger than 911 was and um so you know it's a strange time but it's also a lot of why i love doing what i what i'm doing i want to be a part of of this of of what we are doing it really seems to utilize so many so many gifts and talents you've honed that that it's able to Colby has a way of being bringing together the current technology where we are right now in the world with the timeless tradition and uh, ways to bring it all together and to help us all in that way uh, learn how to use the tools that we have right now and not be used by them hopefully and and cultivate good habits and um, approach to using what we have right here in front of us and um, for yeah. for good and it, because there there's certainly a lot of opportunity for that and and even with the pandemic situation it it sure seems like as as difficult as it is just um certainly a defining moment in all of our history it's we are finally hopefully getting to the point and maybe it has been this way for many people hopefully from the beginning there have been opportunities that have presented themselves um good things to come from it in spite of all the many challenges, difficulties, losses, things like that. And um, um, the Colby Online Elementary School is a a good example of that, how it it was able to come in and provide this service that is much needed right now. And uh, moving forward, it will be, it will just continue to build from there, hopefully. Yeah, I I think you're right. I mean, it's it's something that we can, we can um, look for Look for the opportunities. I think that's that's what we're doing, and a lot of the stuff with the technology and all that is because of our patron, Saint Max Colby, and um, mm-hmm. the way that he was forward thinking yet yet very traditional. And um, I think that that's that's reflected in in our own Colby family. Sure. So much of of um, incorporating what's new into what has been, yeah, and bringing that forward and not leaving it behind. And that's important, I think, going forward. Right. Uh, it's fun to hear you talk about living in Germany. How did you end up in Germany in the first place? Um, that happened because I had a, a professor. So I, for some reason, I got really, um, really serious about about my studies and any kind of education at all, really, after I had finished my bachelor's degree. So I, I just kind of coasted through and, and finished my bachelor's degree, but not with really any direction. And then I got into my, my master's. All of a sudden, uh, so there was like a, some kind of um, spark went off inside of me and my wife at the same time. We got married right at, right when I was finishing my bachelor's, but right at that time, we both got really interested in especially in biblical studies um and she she started learning the old testament languages she would need to study the old testament in depth and i i went the new testament route and um really dug in with greek and um and then that's when i started learning latin and i studied syriac for a while and then which is basically it's just the um it's aramaic so it's like the language of jesus uh and i i studied everything i could to read the bible more closely 
and I went to um, a religious studies program at Cal State Long Beach. And um, I, I'm surprised they let me in with my bachelor <laughs> grades and stuff. But they, I slipped through the cracks. I got in. And I met a professor there that saw how driven I was right at that point, And he appreciated it. And I looked up to him so much because he was from a different world than me. He, he had gone to... Um, Yale straight out of high school. Then he went to Oxford and did a master's degree. And then he went to Germany to the University of Göttingen. And, um, and, and he chose that over Oxford or over any of the Ivy Leagues. And I, would, I asked him why. I got to know him really well. I became his assistant while I was there. And um, he would, we would talk about it a lot. And it was basically, he, he would say, the Germans really dominated everything. And if you're going to be working in the field of New Testament studies, you have to know German. And you have to, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to be able to engage the German arguments, all of these things. So then I asked him, well, what if I studied there for, for my doctorate? And he said, oh, no, no, you, you can't do that because you have, it's different there. You don't apply for a program. You, you, get a, you move there and then a professor maybe will take you under his wing. And they become what they call the Dr. Fata, which is the doctor father. So, okay. and he was like, that, that'll never happen for you. And um, so then about a year later, my wife, who was at UCLA, she got, um, she found out that there was a, an exchange program for one year where she could go and study at Göttingen, the same university that he had gone to. <laughs> and she made enough in scholarships and, and things that um, we were able to fund that ourselves. So we, we went, we didn't have kids yet. And um, we went over there. And when I got there, this professor, who the one who told me how great Germany was, but that I shouldn't do it, um, he had pulled some strings and got me where I met some uh, some people over there, specifically my my doctor father Gerd Ludemann, uh, and he so he put me in touch with Gerd Ludemann, who is a very very famous uh, New Testament uh, prof um, professor and writer, and um, anyway. So, yeah, long story short, when, when Gerd Ludemann during that year invited me to come back and and write my my dissertation under his supervision. And so it just, you know, we just kept going back after that until I was finished. Wow. Wow. What an experience. Oh, my goodness. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So and it's, you've been going back and forth and it's it sounds like you have been all over really and just to have all the many different experiences living across the country and across the world that informs probably everything i would think your approach to daily life do you find that to be the case for you yeah yeah definitely i definitely do um we we picked up a lot of really good things things that i love about germany and that i that i really miss but it also helps you sort of uh define what what is better about your own country when you're in another country you know and we, we i i'm the kind of person i can see every i can see things all one way pretty easily you know and i can be like uh, no 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 th this is so much better here and here's all the reasons why but i think over time i was able to get these get more definition embed them a little more deeply in my own persona of what is um what's what do i really like here and what do i really like there um but 
the common link in what what happened for me, the the biggest thing that happened for us was we became Catholic after going to Germany, and we were in the most like Protestant Martin Luther area of Germany you can be. But still, wow. it was like the Catholic roots were still there undeniably, and um, we saw it, and that's that was the beginning of, of our conversion. Wow, that's amazing. That sounds like a wonderful story. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I, I we had already, I, I, I know from uh, Cardinal Newman, he, he said, to be deep in history is to cease to be Protestant. And <laughs> I was uh, already knowing that I wasn't going to be Protestant, I think, for a, a little bit of time before we went to Germany. But I was trying other things. So um, we were, we were um, in the Anglican communion for a while, which I have a lot of, uh, I, I have a lot of, um, gratitude towards because they they sort of uh gave me a love for liturgy you know i i hadn't mm -hmm. i i'm the son of a of a baptist pastor so i wasn't around that at all growing up and um so that that gave me a love for liturgy but then um there were a lot of greeks and my wife knew she worked at a greek restaurant when we were living in in la in long beach california and um so we started attending a Greek Orthodox church for a while, and that to me it seemed um, I hadn't considered Catholicism at all because my dad was um, he he converted out of Catholicism when he was a teenager, mm -hmm. and you know and I have an amazing dad I, I I would not you know he was the best dad I could have imagined and I respect <laughs> him so much to this day I mean I'm really I so so much. And I, I did not want to hurt him in any way by trying to sure. say, you know, you were wrong, you know, and it felt like my, I wouldn't have to say it, it would be my actions. Sure, you know? yeah. And so that, that took me a while. But so I hadn't even thought of Catholicism until I was in Germany. And I started noticing, I was there with, um, I, I had a, a little bit of a stipend one year when I was there from, from this organization, Bread for the World. And okay. uh, it's it's the German the German way of saying it though Brut für die Welt and uh, mm -hmm. I was yeah. so <laughs> I noticed during this that there they had every 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 like stream of Christianity you could imagine except for Catholics and I hmm. thought that's weird like they have all the different Orthodox and they have like everything else you could imagine but there are no Catholics at all and that seemed somewhat strange to me. Um, and so that was part of it and thinking, then what are Catholics? Why are they different? Are they different in kind, not just degree? Like that's kind of the, what I started wondering. Are, why are they different? They seem to be different in kind. And, and um, there was that. And then also my scripture study during that time, one of the things, um, not meaning my academic studies, one of the things that I was looking at um, was Paul's St. Paul's use of of Jesus or his knowledge of Jesus and I just kept coming back to 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul quotes the Eucharistic words of Jesus and um, there was something in that where it's it's so obvious to us but if there's any Protestants listening to me listening to this right now you <laughs> you may not have even thought of this before because I know I hadn't it was the obvious fact that that there was a church and a Eucharist and a, and a liturgy before there was a New Testament and mm -hmm. that that's something that that um, 
that you don't even th that I had never even thought about. And to real yeah. realize that it was like, well, then what church is this? So at the same time that I started noticing that Catholics were were separated from the others in in Germany and in Europe in general, I think um, the same time I noticed that I was seeing some of these things in scripture. And uh, by the grace of God, everything just kept leading me more and more towards uh, towards Catholicism. Wow. Oh, I love these kinds of stories. That's neat. So so you started this process there. And then at, at what point did you did you complete the were you brought into full communion with the church? So did that happen there, too? Um, it, it actually didn't. That happened. I was working for a um, part of a year. In, uh, I, I was doing construction work, trying to save up money to go back to Germany yeah. to, to finish. So there were some years where we were we were funded and other years where we had to get it ourselves and then go back. Um, and this was one of those years. So so all that happened in Germany. And, and Ludemann, Gerd Ludemann had invited me to come back when I could. So we, we, had, to we had to go to the U.S. for a time in... Um, save up money to go finish our degrees. That was the plan. And we were on the road to, to becoming Catholics during that time. Um, and we ended up living in South Carolina where I was working with this construction crew. And uh, it was two, it was, this was uh, 2010. Um, and so it was the summer of 2010. And I, I went and I talked to the priest there um, and he was really really great. His advice was was really amazing for me because um, he had Baptists in his family and he, he basically his thing. He totally understood what I was saying about how I didn't want to hurt my dad, and sure. he was saying, you know, the way to approach it when you're ready is just tell him that you are so grateful for everything that he's given you and just let him know how much. He means to you and his teaching, his example, all of that. So that's how I went about it when I talked to my dad um, about about all of this. And he took it really, really well. I mean, people ask me a lot, how does your dad take it? I mean, you wouldn't notice. I, I don't think that um, I don't think that he's I, I don't really believe that he's happy. I think he wishes even now that I would I would come back and be a Baptist, you know. Mm -hmm. um, sure. But I think he does believe that. Um, I think he he doesn't think that that like I I'm in something that's gonna take me to hell or something like that. I I don't think he believes that. I know he doesn't believe that at all. So, um, but that's so it was it was the summer of 2010, and my wife and I. Uh, were received into the church, and uh, and they baptized my oldest daughter at that time. <laughs> so it all happened on one day. Oh, what a happy day! Yeah, it was. Uh, my our oldest, who's fifteen now, had this phrase um, when he was a small child: a "Glory day! It's a glory day." <laughs> that sounds like particularly fitting for that particular day. But and thinking about you honoring your relationship with your with your father, it, it, it uh, the care you took with regard to that to to honor him and to continue to show your love for him. It, it, how I would think there would be so much grace surrounding those conversations that you had with him um, and helping him to understand and accept where you came from and, and seeing that it wasn't anything you just jumped into or, and, and the, the spirit led you there. And yeah. um, it's, that's a, it can't have been easy. Yeah. It, but it was demonstrate some, some, I can, I can only <laughs> imagine how difficult that would be. And, and to have, the grace and, and fortitude to continue to have it, those conversations and to move forward with what you knew 
you need it to do. That's yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot, so much grace there. Yeah. 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 It was, it was strange to be the person, um, to, to find, um, courage and meaning in, in, in Bible verses that say things like, um, you know, unless you, um, unless you leave your father and your mother and take up your cross and follow me, those kind of verses, you know, mm-hmm. I had never thought that that would ever be the kind that applied to me, but it, but then it ended up being some kind of source of strength for me during that time. Sure. Yeah. How many times do we have, we heard those and be like, okay. And then and something like this comes up and, and that, and then it's very clear, like, Oh, that's what this means right now. Like we don't, we don't choose these things. And, but this is what, yeah, we still, move forward yeah yeah mm. oh that's amazing okay oh those are I, i'm really fascinated by conversion stories we live in a that our, our metropolitan area we have a decent number of catholics here but really we're quite the minority in growing up um i graduated from public high school and uh, there were six catholics in my graduating class of what, about 160 of us mm. i was one of six catholics so i really have a a heart for folks who um, who have walked that road of conversion and also have lived among in, in all circumstances like that where it's where it's not predominantly Catholic it's um, and Catholics are kind of set apart or are having to sort of um, be very much the only ones so yeah yeah it's an amazing story thank you um, so since you have been back from Germany now now you are settled your teaching you've been teaching for Colby now how did it happen that you went from advisor to teaching how did you because you do both still is that right yeah or, yeah I, I do both hey. I think most people don't don't realize that I'm still um, an advisor at Colby which for me it's it's basically um like I have the the language part of things so like okay. uh, if we if we adopt a new curriculum um, if, if we think we should things like that uh, and then some of the language questions that come in are directed towards me and um, so I help I help in that way which is a lot of fun I, I enjoy doing that part of it but teaching is more my thing now and um you know, for teaching, it was that first year. So the the very first year, I was just an advisor. Uh, I say just an advisor, meaning I, they had the school going on, the 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 online academy, but I wasn't a part of it yet. And um, right before the next school year, uh, I I we we decided to go back to Germany, and Colby was gonna. They said they would keep me on remotely, and um and asked if I might be able to teach some classes. Um, and so I said, yeah, and, and it worked out to where they needed a, a Latin teacher right at that time. And um, they something like quadrupled in size that year. It was a year wow. kind of like this year, maybe it was about like this year where they just exploded for some reason, the online academy. And so I ended up teaching something like nine classes, I think, that first year. <laughs> And so uh, I was the I was teaching every I mean, every everything I could. And um but the, but after that year, it's like year by year, I've scaled back a little bit in my teaching load um, until this year, and now I'm teaching uh, three more classes than I was last year. So oh wow, okay. so it's it's just one of those things. But that that's how I got into the teaching at Colby was just because they needed me. They needed people that first year. Wow, uh, when we came to Colby, I remember having discussions with advisors getting started before we kind of 
uh, enrolled and then as we were after we had enrolled just making decisions on what courses to do and things like that um and i remember the question coming up do we need to take latin do we what tell you know tell us more about the importance of latin what in order to put in a sort of um more colloquial way or not even colloquial just kind of silly way like what's the big deal about latin do we all need to take latin i mean we can have there are a lot of ways to approach that but i it seems to come up from what i've seen recently a lot of people have this question do we need to take latin and also there's a sort of um intimidation factor i think is it seems like <laughs> for some folks and some i i think you would be just a person to address that yeah i you know with latin um i think i I would say everyone should take Latin, although um, I don't, I guess I don't really mean that because um, if you're not really going to go far enough with it uh, for it to become um, something you can really enjoy I, and and you would do, you might do better with a, another language, um, you know, with Spanish or French or, or something where you can, you can get to the point where you can speak it with people. With Latin, it's interesting because it's um, it's a solitary thing um, because you're reading. If you get if you get to the level where you're reading other where you're reading authors and understanding them and enjoying them, it's 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 like it's uh, all of a sudden you get a huge community of friends throughout history um, <laughs> that that I don't think you can get in any other way. Because uh, no matter no matter how good a translator does at translating Virgil or Cicero, if you're interested in those guys, um, you have to read them in Latin to really really know them. And so if so, I would say if you're very interested in the in in um, in any period where Latin was the dominant language in the West, um, you should then you should do whatever you can to learn Latin. If you're not so interested in that, um, if you just want a general knowledge, and and so it, it, what it means is even if, um, so maybe you enjoy Roman history or something like that, uh, and, and it's one of your favorites, but it's not what you're going to really specialize in by any means, I, I think then... Um, you know, then you might be more interested in, in a language that you can use now because I'm sure you would have the the French teacher, Mrs. Momola, saying sort of the same thing I'm saying about Latin authors. Um, she would probably be saying that about French authors that you have to you have to read them in French to really get what they say. But um, and that so that's one thing. And people, I think a lot of people, I think people make too much sometimes about um getting a general knowledge of latin to me it's it's not um it's not really that important because i feel like if you're going to go for latin you should try to go all the way sometimes people want to get one or two years under their belt so they can kind of see how how the language works and it, it makes your brain work in ways that it wouldn't normally things like that but i don't find that as as that important really and I've heard it described before, and since you're a musician, you'll know exactly what this means, but I've heard him say it's it's like learning piano, and then if you've learned piano, that's that's like learning Latin, and then you can move to other instruments because you understand the the key behind it all in a way, and uh, that they, so they've described Latin like that, and I'd say that's true if you go far enough, but certainly not just by memorizing um, you know all the different vocabulary or um, grammar forms. I, I don't. I don't think that's so important. So, 
I don't know if that answered your question. I do think Latin is, is important, but I, I wouldn't say that it's for everyone. It certainly seems to that point that there is a, a lot that is lost in translation when we're still in the point where of learning the language where we're having to translate every single word in order to make sense of it. Um, and similar to playing the piano, that's a good analogy, I think, um, to the point where we're so focused on each little piece, getting that figured out, and to the until we can get to the point where it kind of synthesizes in a way that we're able to take it in 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 its in a larger pieces phrases or yeah. sentences or whatever either musical or latin and and it it just kind of you get the sense of it from reading it as it is and and you're not having to do the side business of of all the translation or um to use the piano analogy looking you know down at the keyboard and looking back up at the staff or anything like that to figure out where what note is this and all that kind of stuff it would seem like there would need to be that time put into it that difficult time that that it but the groundwork laying the groundwork of of the the fundamentals until you get to the point where it, it starts to gel a bit and then it really can take off from there and gets to be a lot more useful and fun and i can see how that I like those analogies being used together. Yeah, yeah, you can see it for sure. Um, being a musician, it's the same thing. So it it'd be almost like like if you were wondering, should everyone um, learn learn piano? Like, do you have to learn piano before you move to another instrument? And you know, it it it's kind of like it depends. Are you going to be a pianist? Mm -hmm. Then you should learn piano. Um, so yeah. it's it's somewhat like that. Uh, and then also, I think at least. So not everyone makes it to the level, of course, whether they're learning piano, they want to they learn piano or they want to learn Latin. But I think at least the dream needs to be there that you are going to be at that level someday. Sure, to kind of keep you motivated to get through this, these uh, beginning, these rudimentary parts. That yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and, just, and even just to justify your, your involvement in the thing. Like, why am I even doing this if I, if I know that I'm not going to go farther with it you know and i i guess there are so there are people who might enjoy just learning a few chords or something on piano but i would think for the most part if you're taking it up you you're taking it up because you want to become good yes and it, it would seem that having a basic competency on the piano of like being able to read basic music would certainly simplify going to another instrument if there was something that appealed to to someone more than the than the piano as instrument dead, yeah. having at least that basic um, note reading or just the whole idea of some basic music theory would would <laughs> make it a lot easier to pick up that second instrument. But sure, it's it, to start with um, piano just so that you can then go on to something else. I can see it. I can see that being in a way. Go ahead and start with what you want to really learn. So yeah. 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 So, I, you, I so you you can see the analogy perfectly because it, it is like that. You in Latin, it would be kind of the same thing. It, it could be helpful to take a year of Latin before you took Spanish, for example. But but you could just also go to Spanish. So I think it's I think it's exactly the same thing. Sure. It's it's very illuminating, I think, to think about if, you know, some of these some aspects of a language that so you can see it showing up in various places like oh that's that means that there so this might be related somehow i mean we talk about that a lot in the language arts so i think pulling that in for the the so to speak foreign languages that would i can see the value of that as well just to sort of um deepen the the resources for acquiring new skills and language or um 
understanding things, putting things in context, all that kind of thing. I think it's just another another tool as well. And uh, but at the same time, it doesn't. It is not. Um, if one doesn't take Latin, the world doesn't end. <laughs> right, right, and and part of, part of it is is enjoyment. So yeah. I think also if if you only take a year of Latin, but you've enjoyed that year, then then you should take Latin because mm-hmm. it's it, it's satisfying and it's fun. Um, and and I, you know, so I'm I'm offering this class now, an adults Latin course, um, yeah. in, in the evenings and Thursday evenings, and um, it's been really amazing the response I've, I've gotten from people like just putting it out just a little Facebook post and um, it's been shared I don't know 20 something times there's just a, a huge interest in adults Latin and the text yes. that I put with it says uh, it says in Latin but it says um, we learn not for school but for life and mm-hmm. um, I think if that is is your uh, motivation in in learning Latin then uh, then you should definitely do it, it no matter what. Students, uh, student, high school and junior high students, and, and even worse, I found in college, it's, it's more about like they want, the, they want to pass the, the class. They want to make like check off the box that they've made it and that kind of thing. And I, I, that's what I feel excited about with this Latin course for adults is that it's more, I think it's going to be for people who who have um, maybe pure intentions in a way in wanting to learn it. Sure. I was just thinking about that. Actually, that whole idea of checking off boxes, like checking, we've got a checklist of stuff, subject areas or whatever that we've got to make sure. And I mean, we, that the, there's that practical aspect that yes, we need to send to these things, but it, on the break, on the bigger picture, looking at the bigger picture, just like you said, we're, we're engaging in these studies for life. Like it's not yeah. to just, um, check off boxes or or put in the time on it it's it's so that we can live the life we're called to so yes that was a very apt phrase i was going to ask you about that class so i'm glad you told us more about that and uh, is there still room should we share the link so folks can still sign up it's starting soon right yeah it is starting soon um there there's still uh, there is still some room and i i've considered i may if if need be i might open another section but i'm not totally sure that i can commit to that yet but um yeah. there's there is still some room if if um a few last ones want to get in there if when, by the time you hear this hopefully they would still be there um but yeah, yeah it starts soon september 1st i think is or wait september 3rd is going to be the first day which oh, that's is this week okay yeah a thursday yeah oh wow yeah it okay. is this week <laughs> So yeah, it's really cool. Or I'm sorry, September 10th is what I put it on. So I bought okay. I bought myself one more week before there it all go. starts. So yeah, <laughs> September 10th. <laughs> okay, I I was thinking earlier today that it was last week. So I'm I'm with you there on the on the what I don't know what day it is. So yeah. Okay. So in addition to teaching for Colby, you also teach and not just Latin, but you teach Greek as well for college students. Is this right? Yeah, Magdalene College in New Hampshire. Um, yeah, I teach I teach Greek and Latin at, at Magdalene. And this year, one of the fun things is um, one of the classes I'm going to teach, they kind of let me um, uh, uh, pitch an idea for what I wanted to teach for advanced Latin. And I, I picked um, the book of Romans, so St. Paul's letter to the Romans in Latin, which I imagine I'm probably the only person 
the only faculty member in, in the country who's being allowed to just teach a Vulgate Latin text, <laughs> you know, for and get it called Advanced Latin. So I'm super uh, excited about that. That's great. Yeah. That's neat. I don't know much about about New Hampshire or about Magdalen College. You, how long have you been teaching there now? I, I, this will be my second year. So I came in last year. Um, there's a, quite a few uh, Colby students that that go to the school here. Um, it's it's a pretty small school, but it's it seems to be growing, and they have a lot of great ideas. It's a beautiful, beautiful campus that they have um, so much potential, and I really love uh, my my fellow faculty members. They're they're people that are just like us, you know, and they're very Colby friendly. Um, they there there were several Colby students, four of them in fact, that came to. Uh, they have a collegiate summer program for high school students. And uh, four Colby students came to that this year, and I was able to meet them. And um, since they, since that time, the faculty members that were doing the seminars for this program, uh, each of them have come up to me and said how impressed they were with the Colby students. And um, they were sort of acting like I should get credit for it somehow. But I'm like, <laughs> that's them, and that's their parents. You know, I just, I just had them in a Latin class or something. But it, it's. Um, the school is, is really, uh, I, I like it a lot, and I love that Colby is letting me, you know, they, it's both program, both institutions sort of um, communicate somewhat, mostly through me, like the, like the child going back and forth, but, uh, <laughs> but they communicate on, on my schedule, and, and they've both been somewhat flexible to where I can, they'll work with one another, and it makes it where I, I have a very busy schedule, but it's, at least it's a workable schedule for both institutions. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I remember a talk you gave during Catholic Schools Week, which happens in January of every year, uh, about your learning languages and, and that impact on your life. And I, I really thought that was very interesting. That's still available, isn't it? Like it, people can go back and see that again. Is I, that true? I'm not sure. I, th I think so. Um, was it um, – did you see it through – through Colby or yes, I, I signed okay. up through Colby, but it seems like I saw. It. I might be confusing that one with the address you gave at the homeschooling, the virtual homeschooling Catholic. I'm mixing up the title, the virtual Catholic homeschooling conference over the summertime. You, you oh, spoke yeah. at that one as well, and I think that one might still be available. Yeah, that one. I, well. I, that, that one is. You can find it on our on our uh, YouTube. Uh, page for Colby, I guess, um, the, the conference. And, and that was one where I, I basically took a chapter of my book and it was a chapter on, um, on how our, our community had like a lot of people you wouldn't expect to be there. Like it had a, where I grew up was a tiny, tiny, tiny town. And yet there were a lot of, um, Japanese people there who'd been taken from San Francisco and Los Angeles, um, to this internment camp during World War II, and they ended up just kind of staying out there in the middle of, of uh, the prairie in eastern Colorado. So that that's one of the things I talked about this summer about, and the the whole like kind of message of that talk was um, make the most of what you already have. So uh, you would never think that such a small town as ours would have such interesting. Uh, intercultural or global, uh, you know, thing uh, encounters like this, opportunities for encounters with, with people like Japanese people that had an actual, they had an actual Buddhist temple in this little tiny, tiny, tiny town, and um, 
So that was that theme. And the one you're talking about, I'm not sure where it is now. I, I should try to find it sometime and maybe we can link to it in this episode. But it was, uh, yeah, it was about learning languages change, my, change the way I think. And um, mm -hmm. that was, I did that also for Magdalene um, last summer. And then I, then I did the talk again later for Colby. So between the two of them, I think I, I might be able to find a link for that somewhere. And it'd be, it'd be cool to put it up. Yes, I think people would enjoy that. And, and it kind of it conveys all these things so well, especially for folks who might have that sort of sense of intimidation as to learning languages, particularly Latin and or Greek, that were just sort of daunted by the whole prospect that yeah. that, that it was not part of their experience and they have no idea, like, yeah. how do we even do that, you know? Well, <laughs> but, I, I, I would say... a way of making it very accessible. With, with, with uh, Latin especially, and because that's the most popular in our circles, um, Latin is intimidating from the outside, but, it, you know, people spoke it. People spoke it. And, and if people could could know it before, you can know it now. And that's that's one of the things I'd like to try to get my students to believe and to know. A lot of it has to do with confidence. And it's, you know, it's saying if, if people used this and it's not like some magic thing that, that like appeared out of nowhere or fell out of heaven or something like that to <laughs> us. It's not it's not an angelic language. It's a language. And you, and you can learn it, too. I find it fascinating. And to see even even having the introduction to it, especially one that is so accessible in the way that you're presenting it, that you can see it showing up in everyday life in all in all sorts of ways. And that makes one's experience all the richer. And even uh, in some ways, it could be very useful just to be able to recognize aspects of, of Latin being used in, in terminology that mm -hmm. is unfamiliar to us. We can kind of break it down that way. And, and that can really, I think, be very useful to folks in, in certain situations, I would think. So. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, go back a little bit to um, your experience as a homeschooling family, navigating using technology and screens versus the offline life as well, because mm -hmm. I know it's a concern here at our house and I see it come up a lot in discussions. Like if we are having, spending so much time online or on a screen for school, which everyone does now, that's how it is now pretty much, right? Not everyone, but mm -hmm. I try not to be so quite so black and white, but for the vast majority of, of children, that is their educational experience now, right? It's very screen heavy, whatever, yeah. whatever educational setting they're in. Mm -hmm. um, and so for folks who have concerns about um, screens and balancing screen time versus um, not screen time. What what are your thoughts on that? Or how do you, do you, you can kind of come out in any number of ways. How do you guys handle that? Or what are your thoughts about how Colby manages that? I, yeah. Any, any way you want to come at that, I think would be kind of interesting. It's, it's, it's something where as a family, we're still trying to figure out, I guess. Um, Cause this will be the first year where our, where our girls are doing school online like this. Um, and I, you know, I, I actually, I, I hate computers. I really do. <laughs> I do. And I don't have a cell phone. I don't, you know, I can't even use a smartphone. I can't sit. I've, I have to ask my wife if somebody, if I need to text something for any reason, <laughs> she does it. Cause I, I, so I'm, I'm somewhat of a Luddite, even though I use, 
I use technology. So I've learned like the computer that I have, I've learned it really well enough to do the things that I need to do for, for Colby and, and um, teaching online and things like that. But I try to unplug a lot um, after I'm done. I, I tried mm -hmm. like when I'm done for the day, I try to just get away from it and, and get in a book or do something else. And so I, 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 I try to get my kids to do the same thing. So I try to make computers not seem cool. Now I'm losing that battle because they want to, um, they're like wanting, wanting to play games or do all kinds of stuff like that. But I, that's what yeah. I've been trying to do is, is, is make it where, you know, this isn't real life. Um, this, this is an instrument and you can, you can wield it, but you know, don't let it wield you. And, mm -hmm. So, but as far as a practical balance, we haven't really worked it out yet. What, how, how we're going to approach it now with them using computers for their schooling. I've noticed um, this first week though, when they were done with the live classes, which aren't very long, they were done pretty pretty quickly. They were at at their desks with without a computer doing the the schoolwork. So. You know, um, and then as far as Colby, I, I don't know where the Mrs. Langell is the best one to ask. She's got a bunch of resources, I guess. And um, they've thought this out a lot. They, the mm -hmm. Colby, Colby, we have prayerfully uh, had meetings and, and discussions about about this very thing, uh, the, the role of technology. And we've lost students in the past where they, they may have said, um, that it was it was just too much screen time for them, and I can and we can definitely understand that all of us can we can understand that 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 would be an issue, and um, you know I think that part of it is is the proper recognition of of um, that nothing is is bad. Well, I can't say nothing. No created thing is bad in itself. It's just the way that you use it. And, and I think that technology falls into that role, even though it wasn't created by, by God in the sense that like fire is. So we can say, yeah. you know, fire is, fire is great when it's in your fireplace, but when it's burning down your house, it's a terrible thing. Right. Uh, right. I think in some senses, technology is along those lines in our lives today, too. It, it's a great thing in its proper context. And hopefully we're using it in that sense. That has really been our experience uh, with Colby these past, now we're in our fourth year, is is situating technology usage in its proper context because it's here among us and it's going to be part of our children's lives mm -hmm. going forward and to introduce it to them and um, cultivate their skills in, in navigating using it appropriately uh, and for good and there's so much good that can be accomplished via technology and um, so much to be learned with it and along with a great deal to be cautious about and um, all those things. But I think Colby has really, so far in our experience, has really found that way to, to introduce students to using these tools that we have now yeah. in this, keeping them in proper context. And, and so far it has been our experience that the screen time is is not it doesn't overtake the offline time that there is a lot especially with the the classics that in the high school program there there is a lot of book reading happening and actual pen and paper happen usage yeah. happening and it's not um the blend we find to be 
so far so good there. And and really so much and is it's clear so much thought and effort and prayer has gone into how, what tools to use and how to use them together and how to teach students how to be citizens using these tools. I guess the, I guess the lingo would be what digital citizenship Di- or whatever. Yeah, digital citizenship. So, yeah. yeah, and it, it's it's nice to hear um, your experience because um, we we don't always know from our side of things. We can only try, but but just imagine if Colby hadn't have had the online academy and have been doing it perfecting it in a way for for these years leading up to the pandemic we would be just like everybody else there would be a hole in in our communities in america the the community that the the colby community everybody that's there now with its more than a thousand new students this year that we've got since last year so that's just over and above what we already had where would they all be you know and and if we hadn't have started it early we would we'd be scrambling like everybody else is. So I I I believe more and more that it's that it's all very providential. I mean, mm-hmm. you guys mentioned on the on the um, saints the um, the patron saints podcast, uh, which episode two I think or three somewhere in there. Yes. If anyone wants to go back and listen to that, um, how they 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 chose the name uh, Colby Academy before. Maximilian Colby was even canonized yet. And th- mm-hmm. that is awesome to me. And then we're seeing things like that still, like with getting accredited and having the online academy here already during the pandemic, waiting to meet people's needs that are out there. Sure. I think all of that, I, all of that is so true. I, I agree completely. Uh, and thinking about you know, coming to Colby from a different school experience, there was a lot of technology usage and it was intent. I mean, we came from a brick and mortar Catholic school and they, they were introducing technology and they were trying to do so in, in a responsible and uh, perfect way as well. But it also has that, that um, sense of we've got to do this right now and kind of jump right into it before having, and I, I mean, there is, a, I think overall in a cultural sense, like everyone needs to be using this right now so that they know how to use it later, which is, is there's a sequential aspect that was missing. I find that, mm-hmm. um, and I'm speaking broadly, not, not specifically about our own, um, experience, particular school, but overall I was seeing that at the time for every, every educational setting that I was looking into with Colby being the exception to that, Yeah. that, um, yeah. so it, it is just, for I mean I'm and I know there are folks who are completely offline and that that is so when I I that's why I was kind of taking back what I said about everyone would be doing this I I know that that is not quite it's not quite everyone and that's great yeah uh, but for the vast majority of folks there is a lot of and it it is just the um the pressure to use it is so tremendous and I think that uh, Colby is finding has been finding a way to to really get it in its proper place. So yeah, that's, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up about the that the public schools and brick and mortar schools in general are starting to try to bring it in a lot anyway. Um, and it's like they see the writing on the wall in a sense. But what's the difference, in my opinion, and of course, I'm incredibly Colby biased. One of the big um, differences is you know, Colby by nature, the way Colby was founded was to be 
innovative in 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 doing what we do and and mm-hmm. being able to find ways to harness new technology, new ideas, those sorts of things. And the vast majority, if not the public system, the the brick and mortar school system was was not set up to do to to be able to adapt. You know, it, it's sure. modeled after it was modeled after um, really the industrial revolution fac- factories and things like just churning out products. And so I think it'll have a hard time. That it, maybe it'll get there, but it's I, it's really hard to go against uh, the nature of something, and 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 mm-hmm. the nature comes in the founding, and so I think God has blessed Colby providentially since the early '80s um, in this way, and and we're poised to keep going. I think that that whole topic that you were just referring to with the development of public schools and the industrial revolution that's so fascinating to me. I would love to hear more about that. I've done a little bit of reading on that oh. and study and just have a very basic um, framework for that. So yeah, I've got it. I'll link, I, I put an article on the blog. I think it was on the Colby blog a few weeks ago. We can link to that and then I can send you some, some references. Yeah. John Taylor Gatto is maybe my favorite who writes on these things. Um, uh, so you have to, we'll, I, I'll, we can put a link to John Taylor Gatto, some of his work in there too. He's great. That's a fascinating story too. I've, I have heard just a little bit of that and I, that's on my list of, I want to learn more about that. So yeah. to hear you reference it is like, Oh, that's another reminder. Yep. Keep that up there on my list. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I think it's like what you were saying, and I keep using this word like, and I'm trying to break this habit. Um, <laughs> this is one of my goals with this Colby cast is to hone my communication skills and <laughs> get rid of these errant <laughs> likes that slip in. Anyhow, um, so much about what we're seeing, especially in the past, what, six months now is this whole reactionary position we many of us have had to take just by necessity right so um, especially folks who were not previously homeschooling who have come to it who uh, who have made this intentional choice for this year to homeschool um, they might have experienced a sort of reactionary homeschooling that had to happen Hmm. and it wasn't homeschooling as we know it and understand it and hope for its return in, in its fullness of of all the many ways that we are not really home all that much, but we're, you know, doing, um, it's more the home education as opposed to the brick and mortar school. But, uh, to be in a position as Colby has been, it's been building, it's been very proactive, I think, in terms of beginning its online academy several years ago. Now it's not, it's, it isn't a reactionary mm-hmm. offering. It is, it has been, um, working toward this moment for a long time. So, right. Yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of peace that comes from that as well. Like um, there's so much thought and effort has gone into it that it, a lot of um, fretting can be just laid aside. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 um, the founder, Mrs. Muth, Mrs. Uh, Muth the, in, in Napa, she, um, <clears throat> she, she's talked to us before and just said how blessed um, they've always been with really good people and so that I, I want to say that about the people behind the scenes um, that we don't you don't see nearly as much. They're 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 such talented, amazing, amazing people. And I'm talking all the way from the from the board of directors down to some of the, the people answering the phones. You know, um, all of them, you could see them 
being, uh, you know, being being really prominent figures of CEOs of companies, things like that, and they and somehow they, it's like God has brought brought us all together on a team to do what we're doing, and it takes that. I mean, just the amount of effort and talent and creativity, and then the ability to have the courage to execute things when they need to be done. That's done by the people that I think most. Uh, most of the Colby community have no idea who they are, but they're there and they're they're really awesome. Oh, I just want to underscore that all, all of our interactions with every Colby person from our beginning has they've all been positive and our mm. and hope and and our our family before that that has been their experience as well. And and I was just thinking about this before we started talking that it seemed I all of our interactions have been this way. Um, the generosity you have shown to us since we have come alongside you on this Colby cast. It, it seems to be, I, I think it's, it's you and it's a Colby thing. It's everyone has been that way. Even, I mean, especially in these very uh, busy times here in these leading up to the beginning of the school year, when there's so much happening and, and so many folks signing up and, and needing assistance, every, everything I've seen, all the Facebook lives and uh, all the interactions I've had and have seen online, they've, they've all been so gracious. And there's just this, um, humility about it that folks are doing really great work in it but it's it's all done in the spirit of service and mm-hmm. and uh, it seems to be a colby thing it's it a, a hallmark a colby hallmark yeah and a lot of it so and one in particular is our leader if, and you, if you remember to to pray for her mrs mary rolls who's the the director she's the ceo or whatever is whatever her title is mm-hmm. she's the big boss and um, she's she 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 is that to a T, and and she's our example, you know, and she conveys that to the rest of us. It sets that tone, sure. Yep. Yep. I, I know it's been a, a long a family. It's a family. There are a lot of family members involved at Colby, which I think is so neat. I really have enjoyed that aspect, and knowing knowing that the families that founded Colby are still very much involved, and many of them. Are working there like you like you're saying that we don't have the opportunity to meet all of them that, but the many of them are still collaborating. I think that's really neat. There's a lot of skin in the game, you know. There's Mm -hmm. big families, and um, yeah, yeah. I've heard, you know, one of the things I dislike the most about Angela Merkel, the um, the chancellor in Germany. I can say it now because I don't live there anymore. (laughs) Say it publicly. She had no kids. She had no skin in the in the game for the future, and. you know the the Mary Rolls, our leader. She has um she she has ten kids herself, and she's a a, a sister of nine other siblings, and mm-hmm. so these families and the other families that that are involved in Colby. You know we we're looking f- long long term for for our many yep. many kids. You know that's that long view that I've referred to before. That I hope to keep. That's what I hope to keep in focus. It's this long view, like. It's not just about today and it's not just about me or just us. Like there's a lot yet to come. There have been folks before us and many more to come. Yes. And to keep that perspective is is really uh, grounding, I think. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I was going to tell you when I listened to your Colby cast, your conversation with your mom, <laughs> I was <laughs> listening to that recently. It's so delightful. I really enjoyed it. Um, when you, it made me think about this 
show perhaps you're familiar with it. Somebody Feed Phil. Do you know, are you familiar with the show Somebody Feed Phil? Phil Rosenthal, who was one of the executive producers of Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I know that show, but I don't know the, uh, the other, I don't know the other one you referenced. Right. So he had a few seasons. I think one, I forget where all they appeared, maybe PBS, maybe um, Netflix. I think the later ones are on Netflix, but he travels the world. It's a food food and travel show. So, and he's very um, entertaining. He's funny. Um, but he calls his parents on Skype or FaceTime or something. He video calls his parents on every episode. So you can hear the phone ringing and he's talking to them on every episode from wherever he is in the world. And it, that, that came to mind when I when I heard the opening of your episode with your mom, I just thought it was so delightful. I really, <laughs> I really like that very much. What a gift! That was that was fun. I I'm gonna do it to her again sometime. But um, and it, it was funny because she started a. She, I could tell after she knew that that I was recording. Um, she didn't know at first, but after she knew, I kind of felt a few times like, all right, she wouldn't have answered in that way, except she's she knows it's it's being recorded, <laughs> yeah. but. But anyway, it was it was Fair fun. Enough. I'm gonna catch her off guard again in the future sometime. Well, I really admire her. I really <laughs> got a lot of courage from her can-do attitude. I was thinking, Hope and I were talking about that about the attitude she had. Like, well, they did it, so can I. And, and yeah. our mom took took on that. And uh, the family I was referring to earlier, who who homeschooled their kids in elementary school, and you know they were like the only ones anywhere around um the only point of reference i had before hope is homeschooled really uh, same kind of spirit like we can do this like, sure we can <laughs> and, and that's so inspiring and, and really i draw a lot of strength from from all those ladies you can tell her that um, awesome she'll be glad to, to hear see, it well please thank her for me i i that really i'll i will keep that in mind and hear her voice like yes yeah, and and you can um. There's there's quite a bit, of course, in the book that that um in my book that's coming out ab about her, um oh, a lot a lot. Yeah, I would say she's she's one of the top three main characters in the book, probably. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to reading it. I'm, congratulations! I'm I'm really looking forward to it. That's really exciting. Do you have an idea? when to look for it or um, where to where to look for it will we I would say let us know you could start checking um checking amazon uh probably the end of september into early october that's probably when it'll be available um okay. and so yeah starting around then it, it'll be done and it's I, I can't wait to just have it out there for people to see i've i've been telling my students and and people about it for years and years really um because I, I was writing it and then I wrote my doctoral dissertation and then I came back to it and then I'd have to work on something else for a while and then I'd come back to it. So the goal was to finish finish it completely this summer, which I, I think I, uh, yeah, I did. I dedicated quite a bit of time to, to finally being where I can call it done. And so I I'm, I'm can't wait for it to just be out there. Wow, what an and That is such a long road so much of yourself in that to to let go of it and and entrust it to us wow that yeah um, thank that, you thank you for that i'm really looking forward to it yeah thank you that that that's the right way of putting it i mean that's part of like my dissertation i looked at it as an assignment you know it's like an assignment my professor was reading everything and it just felt like a school assignment this is more like you know it's it's a piece of me and it's like it's you know it's you don't know if you want everyone to see it or not but on the other hand you know there there's a reason it's there and if everybody um if everybody didn't if everybody 
was you know worried about that and weren't wasn't able to to publish their work because because of that we wouldn't have some of the the great works that we have and this book I'll say my my goal was to make it aesthetically beautiful and that's what I if if people only get that out of it I hope that's that's what they get so I think it's written in a beautiful way and it describes what would be normally thought of as a really really ugly part of the country a uh, very ugly town and um i it just i think it describes it beautifully and that was my goal was to to show how i really experienced it well that is one of the primary ways we encounter god right is through beauty so to to draw us in that way that it sounds it sounds very ideal it's and it, hearing you I, i'm going back now looking at at some of the conversations we've had about your your book coming out and and you describe it as an amazing childhood uh, um, thinking yeah. about how great it all was that's and it was an amazing childhood so, sounds like that's something i i'm really interested to read and and your attitude of gratitude is <laughs> is really inspiring it's that's something especially to be we hear a lot about that and it can be um we hear so much about it it seems and maybe it's just me hearing hearing so much about gratitude and it's so important but it, it sometimes it can reach the point where it seems like okay i've heard that but i don't we've got to live that and it's the connection between those two that that it, it's difficult but it yeah it, it's very evident in the way that you present it and and it's you can tell the difference the authentic gratitude from yeah. what, and that's what i hear from you and see in your work as opposed to "Mm, someone's trying to sell me something about gratitude. I don't, that's not, that's not this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I, I, I believe, um, GK, I think it was GK Chesterton who said, um, uh, gratitude is next to, to happiness. And I, you know, I've had, I, I really did have an amazing childhood. And I remember telling a, a teacher of mine, a professor once, um, that my, I loved my childhood. And I said, but I think most people feel that way. And she looked at me really like with a look in her eye that I could tell she was like very serious, but also there was pain behind it. She said, not everyone feels that oh, way, yeah. you know, yeah. and but I, I certainly did. And in the book, so I learned so much about myself. I mean, memories came back that I would have never thought. And so that's just like kind of the, the surface of things. But more I learned, um, you know, we, we, we believed, as I mentioned in one of our conversations about this, we, we believed in the, in the rapture. And so we thought that Jesus was returning at any time and he would take the Christians with him to heaven. And that really affected my childhood in a way that I never understood until afterwards. Um, and also, I think it doesn't excuse, but it gives kind of a reason for, like I mentioned earlier in this conversation today about my school, like in college, I was just kind of cruising along. Um, it's because I didn't think that I was really going to have a future. It took yeah. a long time for that. And, and um, you know, it took a long time to, to gain that. And yet... There are moments in the book. There are two chapters about that that have a lot to do with death, and um, and it's because uh, you know I, I would help my my dad he when he would have uh, services funerals for for people mm-hmm. in our church, and um, you know I talk about that confronting that idea of human mortality in the midst of of the hope and the 
unflinching belief in the rapture that we wouldn't die. But what does it mean to see, you know, to actually see death and to see dead people? And um, so you, I, I think, um, you know, that, that's the, so I had these two chapters about death and my wife was like, why, why are there two? You know, it's, is this book about homeschooling or what? But it, it's an important thing. And I think even for my, for my conversion later, was um to to know you know to know that um that the reality i guess the reality of death and to to have seen it up close and things yeah that's very interesting and here's yet another topic i i could discuss at length i think that's so interesting as a liturgical musician i play a lot of funerals and have for a long time and it is and i've played of course many catholic funerals but i've played a few protestant funerals as well and the the difference in the whole approach, it is really illustrative to me. And I'm so grateful for um, the Catholic funerals that we have, that the hope that we have and the focus of, of the prayer for the deceased and for those who, the loved ones left behind mm-hmm. and the continuing prayer for the deceased. And just that sense of, yes, they're still, they're still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. um, growing up in a small town as well, I have that, perspective of of neighbors who did not share our faith they they were christian but not catholic and um when we lost some of them there that came into very clear sharp relief that we could see that there the distinctions between their understanding of death as separation and ours as i mean it's different life has changed but not ended and mm-hmm. um, and i still think very much every time i go to play a funeral i played one a couple of weeks ago for a young man. And I've been thinking about him and his family so much since then that um, it's such a privilege to, to play those. And, and it sounds like it, you have, it sounds like you might have a similar uh, perspective having helped your dad with his funerals and, and even, or even perhaps just looking back upon it now to have that um, view of going through that experience, which we all have, but some sooner than others and it in some you know vastly different circumstances just to yeah our catholic uh, this this dimension of our faith is just i'm so very grateful for it that that it um and for the opportunity to serve in that way to to walk with people through those times that it's just um wow it's really it it would be it would be really a cool conversation sometime to Mm -hmm. to break down even more about like the differences that that you see in the in the types of services and things because i you know i remember and mine was the way that baptists are they're they're independent so mine's pretty particular i guess to to my dad and maybe some of his influences but in, in general what it showed this um, being close to death, um, what it what it showed me was that um, you know I could die, but I didn't really believe that I would die, and um, I was my my biggest fear was to be left behind. So even before those books came out, like that was my biggest fear was that I would I would come home one day and my parents would be gone or something. And uh, now you know it's it's strange and if you're not used to this kind of a belief system or you haven't ever been around it it sounds like just a horror film thing or like a Stephen King novel but mm-hmm. i grew up feeling this and then and and basically it was i was always worried i wasn't really saved that i wasn't really going to heaven and that's why i would be left behind and um then uh then it wasn't until after 
you know, getting married and even having my first daughter to where I started thinking about the future and started thinking I, you know, I, I, so I guess at that point for the first time grappling with my own mortality that I, I, I will die someday. Like that was a really hard thing even as a 20 something year old man to uh, finally sort of acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Sure. So. That's so easy to just abstract that, isn't it? Just like, nope, that's <laughs> yeah, that's not now. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> right. I can compartmentalize that. And but really, it's very. I had similar experience becoming mom. Like this is, I, I would to the thought of not being here, and on this in this life with these children. That's that's really hard to really go there or to um to think of those close to us not being here or any any of those just going there that's very that's hard it's, yeah uh, but necessary as well it certainly keeps the there's another perspective checker right that, right and maybe know, it, yeah. maybe a lot of it has to do with with our age and like I don't know mm-hmm. maybe maybe it shifts I've I've heard sometimes I've heard like the elderly are the most depressed but at other times I've heard the elderly are the, like the happiest you know and so I don't know. Maybe there's life seasons like that that we're just waiting to see what the next ones are. I had the great gift of playing piano duets for about a couple, two or so years with a woman who was, she died about a year ago and she was 90 when she died. And I had been going up to play piano duets with her for a few years before that. And just to hear her whole, you know, she so much life she'd lived and mm-hmm. And so many similar experiences to the ones I was having at the time. She had had she had six kids, I think. I think she had six. Mm. And then she had she had lost her her husband, and then married her someone she had known in high school. Like they were both they had both lost their spouses, and so now they had they had gotten married much later in life, and so they had a number of a number of children that way. Um, just to, the long view she had of her life and how she could. Just very succinctly make speak from her own experience, and she certainly didn't um, go on and on. And that is, I think, a hallmark. I see that a lot of that in folks um, of that generation that they don't really talk at length. They hmm. they can just drop these nuggets of wisdom, <laughs> like yeah. oh yeah, and and they they can package it in a way that just kind of gets through. I think, and it. It's it's neat. So yeah. I find a lot of I really enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this has been an awesome episode, and can you believe we've been? I agree. It's been a, it's an hour and thirty, and it, and it really <laughs> it took it took um I hope the listeners will will stay on the ride long enough to to hear us get on some of these deep dives into like you know really talking about some weighty stuff here at the end, yeah. which is. Which is, you know, it's it's fun. It's been nice to to talk with you about it, and I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I have too. I really have. Thank you. It's been great. I know you have uh, more commitments this afternoon. I don't want to keep you from that. I I've really enjoyed conversing with you, though, and hope yeah. to get back into these topics again and, and others yet to come. And yeah, we will thank you so De- much for- definitely. And yeah, thank you, thank you for wanting to do this. And um, let's get in touch here soon again. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. And we look forward to your book and your class and lots more good stuff to come and hope things continue to go well for your family, especially with the new school year. Yeah, same to you. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thank you. You guys take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. Ad Maiorem Dei Gloria.